Hi, everyone. This is Catherine Adams. And Elizabeth Wallace. And you're listening to Binary System Podcast number 355. And tonight, we are recapping Lore Olympus. We are going to start with episodes 235, which is available for free on the Webtoons app. And then we're going to go straight into 236, which is only available with the Fast Pass, which, of course, we did. And short version, I do think the story moved forward a bit, though there is still some frustrating points that need to be resolved. Yeah, I think so. And I think the first episode was, it was neatly broken in half because the first part of the episode was the wedding night between Persephone and Hades. And I think some of the commenters were a little upset that Rachel didn't decide to actually show the sex or anything because, and not just because that would have been nice, but also it felt like we got a lot more lingering looks at what Apollo did to Persephone than what Persephone and Hades do together, which I think that's fair. Um, yeah, I I kind of feel like I would have liked a little bit more, but I just I still love the interaction between the two of them. Like Hades is worried that because they rushed into this, he didn't get to give Core all the things. You know, she wanted the whole dating yeah. experience, but you know, she tells him, "Look, if I didn't want to marry you, you wouldn't be here right now." And it's very yeah. tender and she asks for his help to unbutton her wedding dress, and as he's doing that, she's thinking back to what he whispered to her. And what he whispered was the it's from the actual myth of Hades and Persephone, where Hades is telling Persephone that while he's in the underworld, she'll be the queen, and anyone who fails to offer sacrifices to her will suffer for it. And it's just, aw, that's a perfect way to work that in, I thought. It really was. It was just beautiful and sultry and sexy. And yes, I agree that seeing the actual sex would have been fun, but it's not like we got nothing. I mean, there was like the removal of the dress and then she's talking to him and she's taking down her hair and there's a very sexy shot of her kind of like tossing her hair around and she's only got like a bra on and taking his shirt off and everything. Lots of sensuality, even if we didn't see the actual sex. Um, Yeah, it would have, considering how much Apollo got visible sex in his episode, it would have been nice, but I was not displeased with that part of the episode. Right. And I guess I do have to remember that a lot of what we saw during the Apollo episode was what was going on in Persephone's head, not actually what was happening to her body at the time. So also, I think it's a good balance. So yeah, but the second half of the episode is Demeter and she is crying in bed. She's obviously heartbroken about how horribly this has all gone for her, but she's remembering back during the um, the Tidomancy when uh-huh. ah, this was right after Hera had told Hades that she was going to be the queen of heaven. So she was going yeah. to Zeus, not Hades. But what we didn't see was the fact that Demeter and Hestia were sitting on the side of the hill and in the sunlight and everything's looking lovely. And Hestia tells Demeter that she's glowing. Now that's, that's a pointed phrase there. So I think that may it come is. up later. But Demeter is very happy. Yeah, she tells Hestia that Zeus told her that he was going to make her the queen of the gods. And then right after that, she's like, we were intimate. And Hestia, of course, looks appalled, but not not in a way that she's judging her choices. Hestia has information that Demeter does not. Yeah, that Zeus announced that Hera was going to be the queen of heaven. And Demeter goes and, you know, she just, this is, we saw at one point Demeter telling Zeus, that she has to talk to him, but we didn't know what she was mad about. All right, this was what she was mad about. And, 
you know, Zeus tries to tell her to calm down, which, okay, let me tell you guys, anything you can say in an argument, that is the worst. Don't do that. Don't actually, guys and girls, don't tell somebody to calm down. That never helps. It never helps. It never helps. But I should not be surprised by this. But yes, Zeus did tell Hera officially that she was going to be the queen of the gods. And yes, he had slept with Demeter telling her the exact opposite. But what does he do? He tosses Hades under the bus. Yes. And once again, Zeus doesn't want to be seen as the bad guy. But that doesn't change his actions. It just means after he's done the shitty thing, he finds some way to blame somebody else. And he tells Demeter that Hades said that Hera was a much better candidate for being queen, and that Demeter just didn't have what it takes, and Hades is older, so Zeus has to listen to what his older brother says. Now, we don't see the confrontation between Demeter and Hades after that. But what I have to imagine is that Demeter instantly goes after Hades and is furious at him, wanting to know why he is being so awful to her. And meanwhile, Hades has just had his heart broken, too. And he still has a stutter at this point. So he's not really going to be able to respond to her in kind. And she's not going to believe him if he says he didn't actually tell Zeus that, because it's easier for her to believe that Hades sabotaged her than it is to believe that Zeus used her and threw her away. Yep, yep, that's exactly right. So once again, it is all Zeus's fault. So irritating. So episode 235 actually ends with Zeus telling Demeter what Hades had, quote, quote, told him about Demeter, about Demeter not being suitable, and just says, you understand, right? So the next episode, the uh, Fast Pass episode, starts with Hades sitting on a hillside and Demeter coming up behind him and Hades turning around. And we don't see anything else. We just see Demeter is still lying in bed crying when one of her nymphs tells her that she has a visitor. Yeah. And the nymphs are downstairs and they're all talking. They're looking at one of the tabloid rags that's showing pictures of Hades and Persephone and saying, oh, they got married in secret. And the nymphs are saying, oh, this is so exciting. And one of the nymphs is like, I don't know, those breasts are a bit much. And they're like, you're such a buzzkill, Kathleen. But they say she deserves some happiness after that whole business with the cult. And that's interesting because that's the first time that everybody on the inside in the mortal realm, in Demeter's realm, has ever referred to the goddesses of eternal maidenhood as a cult. And I know that's what they were talking about because Hestia was sitting in the kitchen overhearing this and you can see her kind of sweating to hear that yeah. statement. So, yeah, I like that they that they said that because I always had this idea that the goddesses of eternal maidenhood were this just exalted group. But yeah. I wonder how long people have had that opinion or if if it was just because of that awful scene that Demeter did that made everybody think, oh, this might be a cult. But but now I have to say, I love that picture of Hestia sitting in the kitchen table because all of the colors, the beautiful sepia washed, all the furniture and everything and the clothes that she's wearing and that expression, because she's leaning on her chin, just kind of looking thoughtful. Every bit of that was so pleasing. It's just perfect. Absolutely. I mean, obviously, it's Laura Olympus. All the art is perfect. But man, there was so much detail taken with a lot of the elements of this episode. So Demeter comes in and she thanks Hestia for showing up and, oh, this is so awful and I can't believe this, I can't believe that, blah, blah, blah. And Hestia says... There's something I have to say to you, and I don't think I'm being a good friend if I don't say it. 
And Demeter's like, all right, spit it out. And Hestia says, your behavior was extreme. And I like that phrase. I may have to use that phrase at some point, because she's not saying you're an awful person or starting with attacks or trying to dance around it. She's just saying this behavior at that moment was bad. Yeah. And the thing is, is that doesn't really phase Demeter. Demeter's just like, yes, I know, but it's my daughter. And I would do anything to get her to come back home where she belongs. And just, oh, she's just ranting and she's so upset. And then she says she can't understand how Persephone can marry someone and live in an area where she's like a goddess of light and life and live in a place that's going to just take all of that apart, which is a phrase that I think is going to be important later on. Um, And she can't believe how everybody thinks that this is completely normal. And Hestia tries to tell her, well, if she's making mistakes, she needs to be allowed to make her own mistakes. And Demeter keeps forgetting, isn't, you know, Persephone in her like late 20s, early 30s at this point, after the 10 years that she spent in the mortal realm? I mean, she's not a little child anymore, but Demeter never wants to acknowledge that. She's still Demeter's little girl that has to be told what to do. But the real kicker about all of this is that Demeter says, I can't believe she didn't invite me. And Hestia just says right out, Demeter, you were very cruel to her. Why would she invite you? And I'm just like, oh, my God, like a boss saying exactly what needs to be said. Why on earth would Persephone have invited Demeter if Demeter had made it so clear that she's willing to strip her naked in front of her friends rather than let her make her own decisions? Exactly. And Demeter... Of course, this finally cuts through Demeter's, like, I don't know, her denial and everything. She's like, oh, Hestia. She couldn't believe she called her cruel. And Hestia says, this is not like you. I've seen you be headstrong. I've seen you be stubborn. But I've never seen you be cruel. And what she's concerned about her, she's actually concerned. But it's nice how she's phrasing that she's concerned about her while also phrasing the fact that what she did was not right. Yeah. And Demeter tells her, I think you should leave or this conversation is over. And that's yeah. that's the sign that she doesn't want to hear this anymore. I mean, nope. she's not defending herself. So she might possibly think that there's something to what Hestia says. But Hestia just, she knows Demeter really well. She's known her for a long time. And she goes right to the heart of the matter. She's looking at her. She's like, Demeter, what happened in Attica? And... Demeter is not going to talk about this, but I'm pretty sure that's the hillside they were all sitting on when they were having the conversation. Hestia knows something bad happened, but she has no idea what it is. And Demeter's not going to talk about it. There is also, I've been trying to look it up. I think Attica may also refer to where she was sent when she was banished. And in the original myth, that is where she goes to the mortal realm when she's trying to find Persephone after Persephone has been kidnapped and she doesn't know that she's been kidnapped. She just knows that she's gone. And there's a whole story with her living with a mortal family and trying to make their son immortal by feeding him ambrosia and putting him on the fire every night. And like the, the boy's mother catches her and is absolutely terrified and furious. And Demeter reveals herself to be a goddess because they didn't know she was a goddess at the time and mm-hmm. orders them to build a beautiful temple for her, something like that. So when Hestia asked her what happened in Attica, you see Demeter and she's thinking, and then you see this like ghostly image of this little child who's smiling yeah. and ho- holding what looks like a caterpillar, like she's showing it off, she or he, I don't know. So... Yeah. We don't know exactly what happened. I mean, when Hestia told Demeter that you're glowing, 
I mean, that the first thing I thought is, oh, she got knocked up when she slept with Zeus. But we've never yes. heard anything about that. Apparently, when when Demeter has talked about um, Poseidon, and Poseidon and her had a child together, the uh, the horse yeah. that has human hands, whatever. So she's had children with other gods other than Persephone. But this is this is different. So we don't know if maybe is this possibly the child that Kronos has down in Tartarus? We don't know. Yeah, that's my instinctive thought was that she got knocked up and the kid that we see is her kid. And she's furious with Hades because Hades is the god of the underworld. And maybe the kid died and she tried to get Hades to give him back. And he's like, it doesn't work that way. Um, so I've, I'm extrapolating a lot. But I had forgotten about that myth about trying to make the kid immortal. And that could very well be it. Yes, because the only thing we've seen of her in the mortal realm was when everybody was waking up after Kronos was defeated. And you saw her waking up in what it looked like a human mortal being startled that Demeter was sitting up in bed. But that's all we know at this point. Nope, no idea. So the episode moves on from there. You know, of course, Hestia says that she will be there for Demeter whenever Demeter wants to talk. I hope Demeter does. But we go straight to where Hermes is hanging out with one of the Furies who's running on a treadmill. And Hermes is looking for an apartment because he wants a new place where he and Artemis can share an apartment because Artemis has been through a lot and he wants to show that he's the perfect roommate. And I'm like, that would be a fun apartment. Hermes and Artemis in the same apartment? That'd be great. I love that. I mean, he said that Artemis needs a fresh start and (laughs) Artemis living with a dude would be pretty darn fresh start because I remember the beginning of the series when she said her apartment was no no men are allowed in Eros, but I bought apology donuts. And then suddenly he's inside. And that was the end of that. Right. And of course, the Fury says to Hermes, you know, she's, I don't know, she's irritated. I believe this is the same Fury that was kind of in love with Hades for a while. I Might be. Yeah, I do remember yeah. the three Furies showed up and the one that had been in love with him was crying. Yeah, but yeah. obviously not not trying to start a fuss because Persephone was nice to her. So it's probably, yes. if you're going to be, if you're going to be thrown over by your crush for anybody, it needs to be somebody nice and not, you know, minth the way yeah, she was. Exactly. But she tells Hermes, don't you have work to do? And Hermes is talking about how he's got to find the right apartment. He's like, besides, I don't think Mr. and Mrs. Boss are going to be in for a while. They're going to be honeymooning. And of course, that's the moment when Persephone busts into the room with this project that she wants Hermes to handle right now. And, uh, <laughs> well, Hermes says, I mean, aren't you supposed to be on a honeymoon? And she said, this is my honeymoon. There's something about, you know, chaos project that really boils my potatoes. You know what I mean? So she's, she's also sipping this gigantic big sip soda thing. So she looks like she's completely high on caffeine through this whole thing. But she's got a project and she loves having a project. And what her project is, is that she was looking through the records and because Hades had been in a coma for so long, he's fallen really behind and all the stuff that has to get done. And if he did it all by himself, he would have to work nonstop for five years to catch up with anything. But she's got a plan. Yep. She says the plan is to delegate. And she said her idea is she's combed through all these scrolls and she wants to get the three smartest and wisest mortals to actually help judge the souls in the underworld. And Hermes says, well, they would have to be the smartest humans are alive. And she said, well, that's the thing. They're actually dead. Now that rings a bell for me. There are three souls in the underworld who used to be mortals who do judge the dead. 
but I don't remember who they are and I don't remember what the story was. No, and I'm kind of avoiding looking it up because I want to see what the heck's going on with that as Rachel yes. tells it, because I'm sure she'll have her interesting wrinkle and then I can go and look and see what the actual myth is, which I like to do. But, yep. Yep. but yeah, so uh, we go to a conference room and Morpheus is there looking kind of nervous and Hecate you know, tells her, you don't have to be nervous. He's actually you know a real big softy, but Hades comes in and he's just like, ta-da! He is just... You <laughs> You know, the, the words behind him, bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. So I hope it's been at least a couple of days of honeymoon. But Same. whatever it is, both of them, both Persephone and Hades, are very happy. And Hades has brought donuts. And he's just like, I'm sorry, my wife has got a project. So you can tell he <laughs> loves to say that. But, oh, yes. but he, uh, he talks with uh, uh, Morpheus. And I think some of the commenters thought that this was telling something, but I don't know what it's referring to because Hades asked Morpheus about dreams and where do the dreams go when people forget them? And could you look into those and then remember them, remember what happened? And Morpheus says, I've never actually tried that before. And Hades says, wouldn't that be interesting? Any idea what the heck he's talking about? The only thing I could think of is that I know that Persephone went into his dreams when he was in that coma. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there was the dream about them all being together and happy. And then there was a little girl with them, I believe. Mm -hmm. And that was part of the dream. I don't know. I mean... Maybe they had a conversation and he doesn't remember that dream and he wants to get it back. I don't know. For some reason, I wondered if it had something to do with the situation with Demeter, but I don't know. I'm sure he's not. He seems completely clueless as to why Demeter hates him so much, but I don't know if that's because he's in denial or he honestly doesn't know or he's just flat out not saying anything. I don't know. The reason why I thought Demeter must have gone charging up to him and yelling at him and not giving him a chance to respond it kind of explains his attitude when she was mad at him for getting Zeus to vote down her becoming the queen yes. of the mortal realm. And he called her an air horn with legs. Now, if the last interaction you had with somebody was that they were in an absolute rage over something you hadn't done, and they didn't even want to listen to you because they've already made up their mind. Yeah, that would kind of color my feelings about that person yeah. for a good long while. Yeah, but we also don't know exactly what that interaction was like. We only have what is is apparently Demeter's recollection of that interaction, which could not necessarily be based in reality. I mean, the actual conversation could have been like way more low key, but she's built it up into her head that he just betrayed her. And we still don't know why he's so protective of volcanoes, because that was his reason for not letting her be the queen of the mortal realm, because that would meant that she would be the queen of the volcanoes, I think, too. And those are his. I always assumed it was just an excuse. He was just like, he didn't want to do what she wanted. And he's like, volcanoes, you know, so sure. Yep. So we got a lot of interesting developments in this. Um, I feel like Rachel is, I'm hoping that she's leading up to something really good about the final confrontation with Apollo, because at least a few of the commenters think that Rachel has forgotten the storyline. I don't think Rachel forgets any storylines, but it no. has been a long time since we've heard anything about that. Yeah. Yeah. I can't imagine her forgetting. It's such a major development. I mean, the whole reason why Persephone has been afraid to be intimate with anybody is because her first experience was so horrific. And that Hades knows about that and has been very careful with her. So I don't think she's forgotten. At this point, I'm willing to put Apollo on the back burner for just a little bit longer. I want the Demeter situation to be sussed out. That's the point that I said was kind of frustrating about this. 
Demeter hasn't hit rock bottom. She's getting there. The fact that her very good friend Hestia has told her that she was cruel to her daughter is pretty low. But we didn't get that moment that really only happens in movies where someone's like, oh, God, you're right. I've been such an awful person. Can you ever forgive me? I'm inclined to believe that doesn't usually happen in most people's lives. You know, it's not quite that dramatic. Maybe someone will slowly realize, but I want the big dramatic. Oh, my God, I'm awful. I, I, I don't I don't know. Anyway, that's why I'm frustrated. I, I'm afraid I really do want to see Demeter hit rock bottom. Yeah, well, I'm afraid of that happening because I think what it's going to take is for the eventual tie-in with the myth of Persephone spending half of the year in the mortal realm and half of the sure. year in Hades. I think that's going to be Demeter finagling that, and she's going to have to see what that does to her daughter being separated from her husband to yeah. suddenly realize yeah, this is not something that we can fix with getting good grades and, you know, a pretty new dress. Right, right. Anyway, so that's it for the episode. Uh, I did have an actual segue to the next topic. I was at WonderCon last weekend. Yay! I love that series of pictures you did of things we have obsessed about on the podcast. Yes, indeed. We had... um, we had a picture of Persephone. That was really lovely. Mm-hmm. Um, a wonderful cosplayer. I have seen her before. I forget what was the first one in that post. Oh, um, I know Loki was in there. Loki from the Loki TV show. Also very nice. Yeah, there was a fourth Doctor and Sarah Jane. And I thought that was oh, such a wonderful little tie-in because the fourth Doctor was spot on. But he had this little girl with her who was dressed as Sarah Jane. And she was wearing the outfit that Sarah Jane had in her last storyline with the fourth Doctor before she left the show. And I'm just like, oh, I recognize that. That's awesome. Bless you, because I saw they were standing together. The kid looked very, very shy, almost didn't smile for the picture, then did finally smile. And I was kind of wondering, I was like, I mean, I'm sure it's his kid. And I was thinking maybe he was just had his kid with him that day. But there was a part of me that was just like, wouldn't it be funny if that was actually a thing? I'm so glad it was a thing. It was a thing. Yes. (laughs) Oh, and the other picture, which I forgot in that collection, was somebody was dressed as the siren from the most recent season of Love, Death and Robots. Oh, that was impressive. Really good. Really, really good. And not like, because I could tell that she had on like a skin colored cloth to simulate, mm-hmm. you know, being naked underneath all the chains, which I think that works because otherwise you never know if the convention people are going to let you in if you're just a little bit too exposed. So, but but her expression was really good too and the hair and the headdress and everything. Oh yeah, I just, I walked past her and I almost didn't notice her for a second. I was like, la 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 la, wait, I know what that is. So I love those moments when that I love your picture of the cosplayer as Walter White because he's oh, actually goodness. sitting down on his phone looking ticked off with a little bandage over his uh, nose. I think that was after yes. he got into the car wreck in the, uh, the TV so show. Yeah, that was good. Yeah. That was really good. Yeah, I love the fact that he was sitting down eating chips, and I was like, I, could I take a picture of you? He's like, oh, sure. He starts to get up. I'm like, no, 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 you can stay seated, because just something about him sitting there, and he gets on his phone, he's on the phone, he just looked so angry. It was great. <laughs> but yes, just today, we got all of Ariana Hester. She was there on Sunday, and so her photo gallery, as of time of this recording, is already up. She got a lot of great pictures. And one of the things she's got, I don't know if you've seen it yet, Catherine, it's a picture of two cosplayers. One's Demeter and one is Persephone. And oh, I haven't so good. I haven't seen that one yet. Oh my goodness, yeah. that's perfect. Yeah, I love it that we got not one, but two Laura Olympus cosplays this uh, year. So that was great. And the whole series that you took of people cosplaying from every wi- everything everywhere
everywhere all at once. Yeah, yeah, four of them. I was so happy. And the best one was somebody was Jamie Lee Curtis's character, but she actually had a little desk that she was rolling around in front of her. It was really <laughs> just brilliant. The person who was playing her daughter in that, like, you know, bright white outfit with the braids yes. crossing in front of her, that was spot on, too. Yeah, that was really good. She did a great job. All the cosplayers, like... That's what I, the only thing I really wanted to say about WonderCon, because really you're going to get a better picture of it just looking at the photo galleries. We all have links to all of those in the podcast description. But this year, the panels were not as interesting and they didn't really have, I mean, WonderCon doesn't have the guests that Comic-Con does. Comic-Con, San Diego Comic-Con is way more Hollywood, the really, really big stuff. But, you know, WonderCon still does have some interesting guests, but not this year. It's like all the people who were there, I was like, meh, I don't really need to see this panel or attend this press room and everything. It just didn't really grab me. And I was talking to one of the volunteers. I won't say her name because, you know, I don't know if she should be talking out of school. But she said the problem is, is that you can only really get the big celebrities when you have a really high attendance to these conventions. Mm -hmm. But you only get a really high attendance when you get a lot of big celebrities. Uh WonderCon is not... It definitely wasn't as crowded as his past years, which, I mean, on the one hand, I'm completely fine with because I'd like it to not be crowded. But I don't think WonderCon particularly did as well this year as they hoped they would. So, um, Which is so interesting because, I mean... WonderCon's right next to LA, isn't it? You would think that yeah, would be closer to Hollywood, closer to more people, actors, whatever. I guess I'm, I'm probably, that's sort of a 1950s way of looking at it, that all the actors are in Hollywood. They're probably not all in Hollywood right now. No, but I mean, they're close to Anaheim, so it's more of a Disney connection than a Hollywood connection. But still, I think it's also that San Diego Comic-Con has had that reputation, you know, one of the biggest, oldest conventions in the country. Anaheim used to be up, I want to say, in San Francisco. I meant WonderCon Anaheim has not gone anywhere and it moved temporarily down to Anaheim for several years when it was time to go back they didn't want to go back they did much better in Anaheim than they did in San Francisco so they ended up staying permanently I guess San Francisco got another convention to replace it I don't know but it's like WonderCon wasn't originally a Hollywood one, and San Diego always was. So ah, okay. Yeah. San Francisco would be an interesting place to go to a convention, but a little tiring. There's a lot of hills, a lot of, a lot of walking. Yes, it's also really expensive. And that's something from somebody who lives in San Diego for me to say, San Francisco is kind of expensive. That's a thing. But I still have to laugh about the very first time that I ever went to San Diego, I asked you... Uh, if there were any, like, did you ever get to see any famous people? Because, I mean, what the hell do I know? I live in North Carolina, and, you know, this is California. And the the answer was, no, you don't see any famous people around here. And then pointing to a limo going by, see that? That's the closest you get to a famous person around here. Yeah, yeah. With the tinted windows and you can't see inside? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Anyway, no, it was a really fun time. I was uh, there with Jada. We were there all three days. Alex Dehekishan was taking photos on Saturday and Sunday, and Lauren was taking pictures on Saturday. Leland and his friends were taking pictures Saturday, and then Ariana came up to take pictures on Sunday, because Ariana works as a PA, and she had an event on Saturday that kept her in Los Angeles until 2 o'clock in the morning, so then she drove to Anaheim the next day to take pictures on Sunday. Um, We had a lot of people taking photos. We have a lot of photos coming down the line. I've liked the ones I've seen so far, so yeah, looking Mm -hmm. forward to that. But other than that, I guess that will wrap us up for the week, so make sure to check out pixelatedgeek.com for all the book reviews, the movie reviews, the comic book reviews, the photo galleries. Seriously, I think it's going to be at least six photo galleries at this point, each with like 30 to 100 photos in it, so if you were at WonderCon 
and you were wearing cosplay, there is a very good chance we got your picture. So look out for that. Shout out if you see yourself so we can tag you. All that and more, pixelatedgeek.com. So next week, I guess we will have a Night Vale episode. We will. And I just finished watching all of Shrinking. I just watched the finale last night. Still got to watch that. I am very interested to talk to Hannah about that. I'm sure she's got opinions on the finale as well. Um, If you get a chance to watch it, I think there's a lot of good stuff about it. Um, And then we still have to arrange a conversation at one point about Ted Lasso because the new season has started. Yes. And I think people were very happy with the most recent episode that dropped. I've seen some nice comments on Twitter. I've been trying to avoid spoilers. But yeah, it sounds like that's going well. Awesome. But yeah, all that and more. Pixelated Geek. I've already done that bit. Never mind. (laughs) (laughs) One way or the other, we will talk to everybody in one week. Talk to y'all later. a segue somewhere, but I think it's gone now.